0: Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. So I'm going to read this scripture to you uh, this morning um, in Luke 18. um, It says, A ruler questioned him, being Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So, first thing I want to bring out to you is that his question was not a great question uh, because it was what shall I do instead of how can I receive, how can I inherit in- internal life? You see that? Yeah. Uh, and that's really the, the the thing. It's not what we do, it's, it's what we receive, and that's a better question, but... So this was the rich young ruler, and well, Jesus said, well, you know, the commandments. Uh, and he said, well, I've done all of those since my youth. And then Jesus said, well, you lack one thing, and that's that, you know, because he was wealthy, you need to go sell everything you have, which was a kind of a hard word. And the, the Bible says he went away sad because he couldn't do and see, the Lord brought the one thing in his life that he couldn't do, right? And what Paul said, you know, he could obey the whole law, but at one, if he failed at one point, he failed, failed the whole thing. And then Jesus said, are y'all following this so far? Yeah. And then Jesus said, it's easier, easier for, the cam- for a camel to go through the needle of an eye than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. And then his disciples, the rest of his disciples heard that and said, Lord, well, who can be saved then? Okay, that's what they said. It's impossible uh, for any person to be saved. But and then this is the the the, the great verse, eight, verse twenty seven. But Jesus said, "The things that are impossible with people are possible with God. The things that are impossible with people are possible with God." And I think if we could, it, I mean, this is one of those verses that would summarize the whole Bible, wouldn't it? I mean, really, isn't that what the, really the whole Bible would really tell us? That there's this impossibility that we're all facing. but And it's impossible for us, but it's very possible for God. And that's what God really wants us to believe in so, um, that's what, you know, I've been giving you a few few little messages from the book of Joshua, if you, if you remember. And that's really what the book of Joshua is about. It's about crossing over this river that was, was impossible. It was like what I call the river of impossible into their inheritance. And it's, it's not what, it's what Joshua was, and what the Bible really, it's just an amazing thing it's not telling us what we have to do to to have our to get our inheritance, but it's what what we can what we how we can receive the inheritance, the miracle miraculous life that God has for us, yeah. and that's that's really what that whole book is about is is that, and that's why I'm fascinated with it. But just like in the book of Joshua, uh, there's a river of impossibility that's flowing in the world. It's flowing all the time in the world. And we've, for those of us in this room who are in Christ, we have crossed the major river of impossibility. Because Christ has made a way for us. But that river still affects everything in this world. It affects everything in there. There's rivers of sickness like we prayed for this morning. There's river of death that we prayed about. There's river of financial problems. And that's really what a lot of what this book teaches us. It teaches us how we can cross that river. We can cross the impossible situations that we have in our life and enter in and have the things that God meant for us to have. Because God's very interested in us really having what Paul said in Ephesians 1-3, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. And so really the Christian life is really not very well lived if they stay in the heavenly places. If those blessings are there for us, but we never access them, if we never really have them in our life, then we don't, our Christian life is kind of nominal, right? And who wants nominal? I don't, we didn't sign up for nominal, I don't think. Um, amen? You know, one of the things I was thinking about that river, the current in that river is powerful. Uh, I watched some YouTube's of the Jordan River when it was in flood stage, because that's when historically they crossed over. Obviously, those videos were not taken back from <laughs> Joshua, unless they might be one in heaven. But it's pretty. And there's places where it's very intense, like Whitecaps. is so intense and and fairly wide, like a somewhere around a hundred feet wide with a river that's pushing that hard with white caps, they were facing an impossibility. And that's what the world's in. The world is in that river. And see, here's the thing. Is many believers even are caught up in that river and don't even know it. And it's taken them to death because in the natural, the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea, yep. into a dead place. And see, that's where the whole world is headed. The whole, listen, the whole world is headed to death. That's, and, this, and, and, they don't, and this river is carrying them. And many times we get caught back up in that river, and we're being carried along in it, and we don't even realize it. So I just think we're in a time now where the Holy Spirit really is really urging. I feel an urging from the Lord. Well, let me just say it like this. I feel a green light from the Lord, which I haven't felt in a long time in my life. Because I have been in times where, where it was felt more like the Lord was like, you just need to be still. You need to wait. Yeah. You know, the red light. Don't run a red light that the Lord gives you. And if he gives you a caution light, be real careful when you cross. But if you, if, what I sense is, is this thing to move forward yeah. into what God has, whatever that may be. Okay? Because one of the tricks is, is we want to be able to define what that is where faith says I will go there without him, without it having be de- being defined because that's where God's going. And you can't you can't follow the Lord. If the Lord is walking and moving, you're not following him if you're staying still when he's moving. And so um, well, let me read this verse to you. It's out of Ecclesiastes uh, uh, and I used to amplify cuz it kind of really enhances it amplified classic. It says, he who observes the wind and waits for all conditions to be favorable will not sow. Isn't that powerful? And he who regards the clouds will not reap. Now, now let that sink in a minute. See, if we are looking at what's going on in the world, with all the chaos, with all the, the messes that's going on, and where and that's what we're looking at, and we're making our decisions and life based on that, then we are living out that verse right there. Because that is not the way God has called us to live. He's called us to live in another way, to see something different, and to make choices and decisions based on what we believe He's saying, not what the world's doing. Are you all with me on this? So, um, I had this word. This was in 2019. Don't you love how the Lord gives you words? You, You get this thing from the Lord, that you you feel like, is this really the Lord? And and you talk to people about it, you tell them about it, and you talk to people that you trust, that have wisdom, and are not stupid about the things of the Spirit. Because, you know, I was real stupid at one time. I mean, if the Lord gave me a word, I was going to fulfill it in my own self, right? I quit doing that. It didn't work, you know. But I kept hearing this and seeing this over and over. You are out of the corral. And you know what a corral is, right? Horse people know. That's where, where they train horses. And I was thinking, okay, Lord, I'm out of the corral. What does that mean practically? And so, I, because, I, again, I was not in, in a place in my life to be trying to make something happen. I think that's, that's a key for us. Um, and then, guess what happened? This is a terrible what happened. 2020 happened remember 2020 it it was a disaster and i said lord i i got out of the 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 corral and i went right into this fire (laughs) if i'd have known that i would have stayed in the corral (laughs) i don't want this fire i'm not i'm not ready for this i don't like this lord none of us did and it was really hard on all of us right We, we suffered through that time and we we did the best we could we made some mistakes everybody did but we did the best we could, and we felt like the Lord got us through it at, at the end of the day, right? Well, I never, I never forgot the word. I just felt like it was not. But then recently, the Lord began to, to bring it back up to me. And, and he was telling me, you know, you've got to, if you're not careful with your life, your spiritual life, you can get stuck wandering in the wilderness just like the children of Israel did. Just wandering you know, they wandered for 40 years. They didn't really have to. And if you allow the chaos of the world, if you allow the circumstances of your life, what you don't have, if you allow that to dictate to you, you'll be like the person. You'll never you'll never plant seeds or you'll never reap a harvest. And so you'll spend your life in and see. Well, you know, God even had regrets. Did you know that? God even regretted some decisions he made. He regretted putting Saul in as a king. It says that in the Bible. He regretted. I regret doing this because this dude didn't do what he was supposed to do. And he brought a lot of pain. And I know that messes up with people's theology, but doesn't it matter? You no. Know? You know? It do not matter. You can go talk to God about it and get him to explain that to you. And perhaps he will. But so I think it's impossible to live life without regrets. Because yes. if God had a regret, I think we might. Mad, yeah, there was a point where you were like, I'm mm, wiping them out, they're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, Moses interceded, like, no, you can't. <laughs> you know, the Lord was telling the saying this stuff like this and Moses, your people, your people. And Moses said, well, they ain't my people, <laughs> they're your people, Lord. Don't be putting that on me. <laughs> I mean, the Bible says a little nicer, but I can imagine that's how not much. With all due respect, sir, they ain't my people. <laughs> They're yours. You need to fix them. <laughs> well, so, so that's what the book of Joshua is an encouragement. That's what the book of Ephesians is about. That's really why I'm going after this, because in my own life, I feel like God is saying the light's green, move forward. Well, it takes faith to move forward, and it takes courage to move forward. Because between between us and everything that God has for us, there's always going to be these tributaries of this river. There's always going to be some impossible situations that we're facing. Always in your life. You, there's going to be things that are going to resist you, and they're going to come against you. And so what we have to learn how to do is is be able to overcome that. And I think that's one of the tricks in the book of... Joshua, okay. Let me read this verse: Joshua three one through two. Okay, are y'all good this morning? Yeah. Now I'm asking that in a different way, Becky. <laughs> Not the normal way. I'm just making sure everybody felt good and all that good stuff. Yeah. It says, then Joshua got up early in the morning, and he and all his all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim and came to the Jordan. And they spent the night there before they crossed. And then at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp. So what does three, three days? So, so there's so much some symbolism in this. Three days reminds us of this one thing. It reminds us of Christ being in the grave for three days. Okay, so this is really important. See, all of this is, is speaking. All of this is information for us to help us. Uh, everything, and Andy has already said it, everything... Everything depends on Christ's sacrifice for us. Everything. There's nothing. If we're going to really have everything that God has for us, it was all secured for us at the cross. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. It says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are caught up in this river and are being swept to their death. That's what he's saying they're being, they're going towards their death. They don't even know it. They're going through to to the dead end. The word of the cross is foolishness. That's what it is to the world. That's what it is to perishing people. But, getting this cool. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Amen. And so, what's that's the that's the thing that makes all this possible. When Jesus says, what's impossible for man is possible with God, the cross is the power that makes it possible for us. Isn't that beautiful? And so we have to be people who really keep that, keep the, 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 the beauty of the Lord and the beauty of the cross always before us. In whatever situation we're facing in life, we always have to remember that, that Christ has already paid for that situation. And he's already made a way to overcome that situation. Am I talking to anybody? Yeah. All right, let's look at verse 3. Then they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, with the Levitical priests carrying it, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, with the Le- Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits by measurement. Do not come near it so that you may know the way which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. That's pretty good, isn't it? So the Ark of the Covenant, as you probably know, represented the presence of God. That's what it represented. And so what Joshua was saying is the presence of the Lord is going to go before you because you don't know how to go. Isn't that comforting? You see, we're going, we're, I'm saying let's move forward but I don't, know where, I don't know where we're going. But I know the Lord knows where he's going. And he knows where he wants us to go. And so what Joshua was saying, you got to... It was a practical thing in one sense, so everybody could see the ark and see where God was going. Okay? But about 2,000 years ago, right, Jesus was crucified. You get this. About 2,000 years ago, Christ was crucified... And has made the way for us to go. Okay. Now, that really speaks to the presence of the Lord. Which I think was brought, already brought up this morning. Didn't y'all love that worship this morning? That was beautiful. So, that's really the real important thing, I think, in, in all of this. Is for us really to really become people of His presence. Where God's presence is the most important thing there is in our life. And... Um, because that's the way we're going to get where we're going is become people um, you know I think most people well if you're coming to this church more than likely you love God's presence you enjoy his presence you enjoy that right I mean Who don't love that God's presence? Who doesn't enjoy being in His presence? Who wants to go and be bored? Who wants to go and not have any kind of emotion attached to what's happening? I don't think anybody does. Because God has given us these emotions and these feelings to be able to more more experience Him on a deeper and greater level. Because if if we didn't have the emotional part... We would our experience with God, with God would be lacking, just like with your spouse. You can really have a good time with your spouse or your children, anybody you're close to, but your emotions are involved in it. Emotion, you know, like a, if you're emotionally bankrupt, you're not going to make a very good spouse. And that's that's any any marital counselor could tell you. You know, they look at marriages and realize somebody in that. Marriage is emotionally bankrupt. They have no emotions. They give no emotions. So the marriage doesn't work. Y'all looking at me, literally with frowns on your face. Yeah. Well, like I've said many times to Becky Becky, I love you with all my brain. (laughs) And she just says, Oh, yes, I love you with all my brain. Nobody says that. If they want to stay married. <laughs> now you say, I love you with all my heart. That's yourself. You're putting yourself into it. One thing I've thought about is about the presence of the Lord and about enjoying the presence of the Lord is, does there, does there come a time in our life when, it's not just about what we enjoy i I mean seriously, yeah. I mean, does there come a time where God's presence becomes more about how it makes us feel come on. It. and i think it I think it it does have to I think it has to transcend that I think it has to go beyond that um, you know. Part of a presence is this. Presence is you want the other person to be happy that you're present, right? That makes you, that gives you something, right? If they're not happy you're present, if they don't celebrate your presence, there's something missing. And, and so we, we celebrate God's presence, but lots of times we're celebrated because it makes us feel so wonderful, that's why you have people who complain about songs and stuff you do in church. Because they're so focused on how it makes them feel. Wondering about, sometimes I wonder, well, how does the Lord feel? What is he looking for in all of this? Listen, listen to this. We have to learn how to follow that process. That, that's part of what church is about. Okay? It's just not coming and singing songs and hearing prayers or taking up getting your money. (laughs) And then hearing somebody talk. It really is ultimately about let's learn about the presence of the Lord. Let's learn about following that presence. Because that presence, if we can learn how to follow the presence, when we walk out into life and we're facing impossibilities out there, oh, we learned something about the presence in the church, That applies out here. If it doesn't work out there. Why does it just work? It's got to work out yonder. It's got to work when you have financial difficulties. It's got to work when you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Or your, or your, your spouse leaves. We have to learn that there's a presence that has to be followed. To get through that impossible situation. And That's what this is telling us. God wants to teach us how to follow that presence no matter where we are. It can't just be in a good worship service or hearing some preacher somewhere or watching some YouTube. We're, we will fail at that. And that's one of the reasons the church has gone through some stuff. It's gone through some disappointment. It's gone through some, some things because we put a lot of emphasis on things. But we forgot in the middle of it, it was that presence. Are you hearing me? And so we had to learn how to discern that presence and follow that presence and value that presence. That's one of the greatest jobs the church could do for any person. That's a lot of what when Paul talked in Ephesians 4 about apostles, prophets, their whole job was to equip the people to do the work. What's the work? Learn how to follow him. Learn, that's a work. Learn how to follow Him here. Learn how to follow Him at home, in your marriage, in your job, all of that, because the presence of God wants to be with us. He, he, because listen, there's a whole world out there. They don't know about the presence. They they wonder why you wasting your time in here. Why aren't you laying up at the house or going to? A, Whatever people do on Sunday mornings, go grocery shopping. Like, what the heck is wrong? You know. Well, I, I would agree with them at one point in my life. Who? Oh, I'm not doing that. I don't want to waste my life sitting around doing that. Dead. I mean, it's dead. It's not, There's nothing there. But there is something. But see, the problem is we haven't we haven't took that thing with us, that presence with us, where people are like, oh, there's something. Maybe I should go check that out. Maybe I, maybe I need some of that. I tell you, when the presence of the Lord gets on you, people are attracted to you. <laughs> oh, gosh, Becky and I have been in situations situation after the Lord was really moving. And all these people were wanting to be around us. We're thinking, why do they want to be around us? Had nothing to do with us. Had to do with this presence that was resting on us. We just happened to be in this, in this river of God flowing. And so God really wants that. That's right. That's I don't think we'll ever get away from him. What, what it does for us. In His presence is fullness of joy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At His right hand is yeah. pleasures. Yeah. Yeah. We're, not, we're not supposed to get away from it. We're supposed to learn how to love it and follow it no matter where we are. That that's really it, and I think that's what the Lord wants. You see, in the all right, I got to stop on this one. But if you go back to Genesis, where Adam and Eve got in the mess and listened to the devil and quit listening to God, made the bad choice. It says they left the Lord. They, the Lord came looking for them. It says the Lord came looking for them. It says the voice of the Lord came calling out to them, but they ran from the presence. And see, that's where man lost that thing. And Christ came back to reestablish that. But I think what I want you to hear is this. God desires our presence. Yes. I think he desires our presence more than we desire his presence. Yes. He desired it from then. He went looking for Him. He went calling out for Him. Have you ever thought about just getting into God's emotion at that moment? Well, a parent could. A good a parent knows, many parents know the heartbreak you go through with children at times that break your heart. We were always told when our kids were little, you know, when your kids are little, man, you know, they, you think they cost money and aggravating and time, keep you up and all that. Well, somebody said, well, when they're little, they step on your toes. When they're big, they'll step on your heart. That's the truth. Your heart will get broken. Your kids will wind up breaking your heart at some point. You know, and imagine God at that moment, what he felt when he lost his two kids that he loved and he had this fellowship and communion with. And so I think God, its part of what God is doing with the body of Christ is bringing us back into that place where he is being fulfilled. I remember vividly in my mind the day I came home, and none of my kids greeted me when they were little. As I walk in the door, they used to always run up. Hey, they were so happy to see me. But I remember the day I walked in. Where are they? <laughs> they were there, but they were back there with their friends playing. Suddenly, I was down the list. <laughs> I got moved down the priority list. And I've been getting moved down ever since. <laughs> so I just find my place on the list and do the best I can. That's what I do. Mm. Listen to this. Let me read this little thing here. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ went before us, listen to this, and became what we are so that we might become what he is. He became what we are so that we may become what he is. That was a church father called Irenaeus of Lyon, I guess. That was a long time ago, but actually it's in the Bible. It says, as He is, we are also in this world. First John 4, 17. See, when God's presence in, enters our impossible situations, suddenly everything becomes possible. And that's why the presence of the Lord is so important for us. When He enters our impossibility, when He entered that Jordan River, things happen. But if He would not have entered it, if they wouldn't have took the presence down there, Nothing would have happened. Nobody would have went in. Nobody could have swam it. Nobody could have waded across it. They were afraid of it. But when he enters it. And that's why we have to get this presence thing. That's why we had to become a place. A refuge. A sanctuary. A resting place. Whatever word you want to use. Where God settles down. Where God settles. Where God settles down. In a place. And you're not coming like. Oh, come, Lord, please come, please. No, he's already settled down there. I'm already here. I'm waiting for you to come here. And I'm waiting for us to get together. And I want you to bring some people and bring them into this presence. And they get touched by this presence. Are y'all hearing me? They get touched by this presence and they realize there's something more to their life. Suddenly they want to repent. Suddenly they feel like there's something worth living for. Because God is really the only thing that's really worth living for. When we grab that truth, all the other things that we're living for become secondary. But you know what the the great thing is? All the other stuff that we're living for that God would love for us to live for becomes very fulfilling and very rich in our life. But it's not like that without Him. Okay, I'm just going to hush about that. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Let me go on and finish this. I'm going to finish. I I know you're happy. Yes. Of course you're going to finish. Yeah. Um, let me read you verse 5. Oh, okay. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do miracles among you. Uh, so what he was saying is only God can do this for us. Listen, only God can get you across your river of impossibility. But listen, you can't be passive about it. Passivity doesn't work. I don't know what the heck why people think being passive works in the kingdom. If God says, red light, that's not being passive. That's sitting there waiting. You know, when you're at a red light, you're not being passive. You're waiting for the green. You're paying attention. You're not just going to sleep. You're not, well, you probably are looking at your phone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See, we have, all have a part to play in, in the way our lives work out. We really do, y'all, because God gave us a choice. He gave us a will. Yes. And so we get to participate in what he's doing by, by, by our choices. But he said this, and I'm going to copy Andy, y'all. This is one time out of, no, out of millions of times I would <laughs> never copy this guy. In fact, I would not. No, I'm just joking. I just thought that what he shared last, that was a great message, by the way, last Sunday that Andy gave. It really was. But the t- part about sanctification was really cool. You know, and and Andy, yeah. I thought Andy was clapping for himself there from there. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. yeah, But we do have a needle. We have this divine needle. If anybody's head gets too big, we pop the balloon. Yeah. Well, he, one of the things that Andy said was sanctification means consecrate. Now, I want to read 1 Peter 3.15. This was such a beautiful scripture for me as a young believer. He says, but sanctify Christ as Lord. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give account for the hope that's in you. And see, that's the key to hope. He told us the key to hope right there. Sanctify the Lord. As sanctify him as your as Lord in your heart. Okay? But with gentleness and respect, he's talking about how you respond. So this this is Andy. This is stuff Andy said last week that I thought was beautiful. Okay, sanctify him means to make something or someone sacred. Make the Lord sacred in your heart. That the Lord is the sacred. To make someone holy. Make the Lord holy. The Lord's already holy. The Lord's already sacred, but He might not be in your eyes. He might not be in your life. He may not be your Lord, really, when it comes right down to it. But what Peter was saying, you need to make Him that way. Joshua, make Him consecrate the Lord. Make Him the Lord in your heart because you're crossing over. And that's a key to receiving your inheritance in Christ Is He's Lord. He's the Lord of your life. He's the king. He's in charge. Uh, He likes to be in charge because he's a good king. This is some other things Andy said. Another word for sanctify is consecrate. To consecrate someone is to declare that they are sacred and that they have a divine purpose. The Lord has a divine purpose for you. The Lord has a divine, and and the way we enter into that divine purpose is through his lordship. He's, he's our Lord. He, he's our inward Lord. He's inside of us. I'll get back to that. To, to Saint. this is more Andy. I'm giving him credit. Okay, just in case he wants to, you know, something. I'm going to say, well, I gave you credit, Andy. You know, when somebody does good, the attaboy thing, you get a bunch of attaboys in, they do one bath, and they get the other thing. You know, I'm not going to mention it, but, you know. And it wipes out all the attaboys. So so we're piling attaboys on Andy. So the first time he messes up, uh, ah, (laughs) ah. To sanctify someone means to cherish and declare them precious. Is the Lord precious in your heart? Do you cherish the Lord? This This is so cool. Even someone who had been previously desecrated by darkness. Jesus was desecrated by darkness. Jesus entered into darkness. Jesus is desecrated. God is desecrated in many people's, in many Christians' life. They're disappointed with God. They're angry with God. But but here, Peter's saying, no, don't be that. Don't be angry with God. Make the Lord precious. Even if you have questions. He's not afraid of your questions. Ask Him the questions. He don't mind the questions. Um, We we must set ourselves apart from the things of this world and unto Him. That's consecration. Setting yourself apart. Apart from the things of this world. It doesn't mean, you know, Jesus, John 17. Jesus said, hey, I'm not praying to take them out of the world. They're going to stay in the world. I'm praying for them so they'll be able to be okay in this world. Protected in this world. Prosperous in this world. But we can't be a part of this world. We have to give up the narrative of the world we had to give it up we had to let it go we had to we really do we got to put that stuff aside because it's all coming from the wrong tree it's all coming from the wrong source i got to hurry up but i do want to say everything in the everything spiritually starts from the inside of us it can't we can't do it from the outside in that's that's what the bible teaches us it teaches us the law just teaches you that you need something on the inside of you. Obeying all these rules is not going to help you. Doing all these things is not going to help you, if you. But if you have something happen in you, it works itself out into your outward actions. That's really the way this thing is supposed to work. It really is. And a lot of Christians really want to keep going back to, to, to a set of rules and a formula. But that will not work, because the Bible's clear on that. It clearly states that does not work. We've proven it doesn't work. Jesus is the only person who could keep all the rules, and He did it for us. And when we make him Lord inside of us, He can keep the rules inside of us for us. And that's really the truth of it. You, you can take that or, or not, okay? All right, let me read this one last two verses. I wanted to read this. This is it. Verse 15 and 16. I hope you all are getting something out of this. It says, And when those who were carrying the ark came up to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests, carrying the, the ark, stepped down into the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest. So they were stepping into this turbulent water. Then the waters were flowing down from above stood, listen to this, stood and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam. Isn't that crazy? All the way back to this place called Adam. I mean, isn't that, does God have a something going that he picked somebody, hey, the name of that town is Adam. They didn't know why they named that town Adam, but God knew one day those waters are going to be cut off back there. All the way back to Adam. It was telling us something. I think it's amazing. Then the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose one a great distance. The city that is beside this is Zarathan. And those which were flowing down towards the Sea of Ara- Araba, the salt, that's the Dead Sea, were completely cut off. So the people so were able to cross. So the way we're... Sa- this is actually a picture of salvation in one sense is Christ passed through and cut off what Adam did. Romans, Read Romans 5. It tells you all this. One man sinned, all men died. One man lived, all men live. So it's cutting off. But see, for us, we have to cut off that Adamic thinking. Are you listening to me? As long as we think, ...from the wrong tree or as long as we think the way Adam thinks, the way man thinks, our rivers of impossibilities will never be overcome. We will never enter in to the glorious life that God has called us to live. He will never live into the miracles realm. We'll never live in, into the inheritance, our purpose, our destiny what God has for our children. If you're looking for a spouse or if you want children or, or, or your future, your retirement, your business, whatever it may be, it applies all. But as long as our information is being fed to us from Adam, let me give you some names for Adam. Fox News, CNN, MSN. Those are all Adam thinking. They really are, y'all. That's just an example. You see, what God wants us to do is t- dial into Him and find out what He has to say, find out His perspective. And then those rivers, whatever river of impossibility you're in, those waters will be cut off all the way back there. Am I talking to anybody? Because it's a war. It's a war. Of thoughts. It's a war of thoughts. Oh, Lord. Yes, sir. Today, we rely upon the Lord Jesus to cross over our impossibilities and into our inheritance in Christ. But we must cross over in union with Christ. In union with Christ. If you don't cross over union in Christ, because once they got in into the ark into the river it stood there they stood it there and waited for everybody to cross over and that's a picture of union of christ thank you for listening to a river life fellowship podcast to get more information check out riverlifefellowship.com